That's what sharing the gospel does. We're telling lost people there's a place for you at the table. There's a place for you. You don't have to be aimless anymore. You don't have to be empty anymore. There's a place for you. This is Living a Legacy, featuring the Bible teaching ministry of Crawford Lawrence. Hope you can stay with us as we look once again at why we should be sharing our faith, telling people there is a place for them at the table of God's grace. In a moment, we'll head back to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. If you're new to our broadcast, Crawford has been in Christian ministry for over 50 years, serving as a pastor, conference speaker, seminary professor, and author. His books include Unshaken, Your Marriage, Today and Tomorrow, and Leadership as an Identity. Crawford has retired from church ministry, but for over 15 years was the senior pastor of Fellowship Bible Church of Roswell, Georgia. And that's where these weekly messages come from. He now heads the leadership mentoring program known as Beyond Our Generation. Well, he visits with us again here at the beginning of the program. And Crawford, thanks for joining us. Good to be with you, Bill. Evangelism. As believers, we know it's to be part of our walk with Christ. And in last week's message, you listed the first three of seven reasons why we need to always be ready to share our faith. And I think you said there could be many, many more reasons. Right, right, right. But let's review the first three from last week. The first three are it spreads God's glory. Mm. The second one is that it builds God's kingdom. And the third one is that it expresses our gratitude, and that's where our hearts get wrapped around why we should do what we do. There seems to be a lack of evangelistic emphasis in much of the Christian church today. Why do you suppose that is? Well, frankly, because passion for evangelism has a tendency to leak. Mm. Uh, we, we all want a private Christianity, and we're comfortable with stuff that we can control and predict, and we don't want to trespass somebody else's space. Mm. And so there's this tendency to pull back from taking the initiative to share the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit. And I wanted to heighten that and remind all of us that uh, this is not something that you can do or you don't do. It is core to our walk with Christ. All right. Today we pick up with reason number four. We share our faith because it's an act of obedience. Here's Dr. Crawford Loretz on Living a Legacy. You know, I, I get a little frustrated with people who, who you know, the, the desire is to have people to share the gospel. And so what we end up doing is, is that we end up kind of like taking the commands down and making them suggestions. So we, we don't want to, we don't want to be guilty of saying that people have to do something. Well, the Bible says, the Bible says that it is an act of obedience. Let me, let me, let me just cut to the chase here. If we're not sharing the gospel, we're living in sinful disobedience. If we're not sharing Christ, we're living in sinful disobedience. It, the Great Commission is not the great suggestion. It is a command, Matthew chapter 28, 18 through 20, opening line of verse 19, Jesus looks at his followers. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. He didn't say, gee whiz, you know, it'd be really nice if you could do this for me. No, make disciples of all the nations. It is a command to do it. He is populating his kingdom. He is, he's carrying out his glory. Make disciples of all the nations. Now, that, 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 that is the commission. It is what we do. 
Just like a married man is expected to take care of his wife and kids, it is what we do. And I would say, and I don't want to get too far into this, but I would say that believers who are not concerned about sharing their faith, professed believers who are not concerned about sharing their faith, may not be a believer. Because the Bible teaches clearly that the Holy Spirit who is a sign that we've been sealed by him, the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us witnesses concerning Christ. Which introduces the second part of this whole idea of obedience is an objective command, but we are also empowered to obey. That's what I love about this. In Luke chapter 24, verses 45 through 49, this is Luke's rendition of the Great Commission. Jesus stands there, and he, t- and he reminds them of the message of repentance, and he tells them that they are witnesses of these things. And before he's to leave, he tells them to stay in Jerusalem to wait for the promise of the Father, which we read over in Acts chapter 1 and chapter 2, the Holy Spirit coming down. And then I love what he says here in verse 49. He says, wait for the promise of the Father there in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. He's commanded us to do it, but listen, church, he's commanded us to do it, but he's given us everything we need. The third person of the Trinity empowers us. The fifth reason why we share the gospel is because it offers the hope of God's love. It reveals the heart of God for people, no matter where they are. The most famous verse in the Bible is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Oh, we quote that so often that it loses its impact. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Everybody is hungering for love. Everybody. I don't care who you are. Uh, you, you can act like you're, you're, you're the most self-sufficient, emotionally, contained person in the world, but every single person I've ever met is hungering for love. Does God care about me? Does he care? God demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for me. Listen to me, sometimes we're so concerned about our techniques in evangelism that we forget the heart of the gospel. People just need to know that you love them. They need to know that God loves them, that God cares about them, that Jesus died for them, and that you care. Listen to me. I I want us to start praying, God, help me to love people. See, the love of God is both vertical and horizontal. We need to communicate his love for people, but we need to communicate our love for them because his love for us. And it's amazing how long people will listen to you if they know that you care about them. So the gospel, we share the gospel because it is the expression of God's love. The sixth reason why we share the gospel is because it offers a cure for brokenness and bondage. You can put in parentheses there, sin. 
And I fear what ends up happening to those of us who are believers is that we've been Christians for so long and we traffic in Christianity so much that we've gotten a little bit of glaucoma over our spiritual eyes. We've forgotten how messed up and ensnared and imprisoned we were. We forgot the bondage that had been broken on our behalf. And people need to know that the cross shatters the addictions and shatters the sin and shatters and cures the pain. I love that story in in, um, Luke chapter 7, verses 36 through 50. Uh, Some of you are familiar with the story. Jesus is invited by Levi, this Pharisee, to come over his house at dinner party. Now, you got to understand, the Pharisees were like at the top of the pecking order when it came to the religious community, okay? And so he's, uh, he invites Jesus to come over, and uh, Jesus is there. But while they're at this dinner party, by the way, you'll see the relevance of this later, Levi's servants don't wash Jesus' feet. And I'll come back to that in a second, okay? You think that's a scud missile, it's not. They don't wash his feet. Well, while Jesus is there at this dinner party, this prostitute shows up, and she is desperate. She doesn't just crash the party and stand in the corner and wait for an opportune moment. As soon as she crashes the dinner party and sees Jesus, she falls to her knees and she begins to weep, and her tears... She must have been crying a lot because the Bible says her tears began to flow and she was washing his feet with her tears. The importance of foot washing, if you had an invited guest during that time in history and the lowliest of all the servants would wash the feet of the invited guest, it was like getting a glass of iced tea in Atlanta in August. The first thing that you did, because they had to walk long distance, and you want to soothe them. Welcome to our home. Levi didn't wash his feet. But this woman, as an act of repentance, she said, I'm the lowliest of the lowly. I, I heard about you looking for forgiveness. She was broken. She didn't want to do what she did anymore. She didn't care who was watching her. She washed his feet. She took the alabaster box of this, this, this fragrance, this expensive perfume that she used to lure her clients, and she put it on his feet, not to Lord Jesus, but to say, I'm giving you the very best that I have. I'm sorry for my sins. Levi looks at her and gasp. So what in the world is going on? Jesus, if you were a prophet, you would have knew what's happening. Hold up, Levi. Hold up, hold up, hold up. I came here. You didn't do anything for me. You know why this woman is doing this? Wow. Unbelievable. She's doing this because the verse, the verse says that uh, her sins, which were many, were forgiven. For she loved much, but he who is forgiven little loves little. Have you forgotten how much you've been forgiven? Have you forgotten the bondage that was broken in your life? Wouldn't you want other people to know that Jesus could do the same for them? Don't get seduced into thinking that, you know, you can just renovate a person's life and they'll be better off. You take a kid who breaks into a liquor store 
and steals a fifth of Jack Daniels. Would you stop the nonsense and say, well, no, what he needs is an education. You know, you send him an education, he gets smart, now he goes steal the whole liquor store. <laughs> Sin needs to be broken. That's why I love the, Karen and I have seen uh, the Broadway uh, play Les Mis a number of times and saw it in the movies the other day. I love that, love it. One of the reasons why it's so popular, would you pray that God will use that? The message of redemption is so clear in that thing. I'm just, we walked out of the theater yes, the other day and I said, honey, <laughs> what, what an evangelistic tool. It is powerful. Jean Valjean is driven to be merciful. Why? Because he's received mercy. That's one of the reasons why we share the gospel, because it breaks the bondage of sin. We know him as our personal redeemer, forgiver, savior, and friend. And the seventh and the final reason why we share the gospel is because the gospel finds and restores the lost. I guess that's akin to the sixth one. In Luke chapter 15, in rapid succession, Jesus gives us three parables with the same message. Oh boy. Three parables with the same message. And uh, I would say that if he does that, I think, I think it's a priority to him. The lost sheep, right? The lost coin and the lost son. What's the similarity in the message? They're all lost. What's the similarity in the message is the passion to go after them. The first one, the lost sheep, he says, here, here you have this shepherd, he's got a hundred sheep and he just loses one. Well, that ain't bad, I suppose. He says, well, that's just good. No, he cares about them all. So he stops and he goes to get that one. And the line is that there's great rejoicing in heaven. Then the lost coin and the person is going all over the house looking for this coin. Got out the coins, but I got to find this coin. He finds a coin. There's great rejoicing in heaven. And then the lost son, the prodigal son that leaves the house, riotous living and just as hell bent on destroying his life. And it appears that every day the dad was looking down the lane waiting for this boy to come home. And when he came home, there was a party. This great rejoicing in heaven. It's as if Jesus is saying to his listeners, do you get it? Do you get it? I'm looking for the lost. Zacchaeus is up in this tree. Zacchaeus was a tax collector. Some things never change. He was not liked as a tax collector back then, and I don't know about today. But anyway, he's up in this tree. Nobody liked hanging with those dudes. Jesus looks up and says, hey, buddy, come down here. I got to go home with you. Then he says in 19.10, Luke 19.10, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And Jesus is seeking and saving the lost through you and through me. He's not doing it any other way. Sorry. Sorry. And I know this is a little bit of a guilt motivation for me. I often think to myself, Crawford, the non-believers that know you in your circle, should they be on their deathbed, would they say to you, thank you, Crawford, for telling me about Jesus? 
what would they say to you? Crawford, how come you didn't tell me about Jesus? One of my favorite movies of all time, any Academy Awards or anything, but I, I just love the story in this movie, is Antoine Fisher. I love that movie. The story of this young man, Antoine, is in the Navy, and he's just always in trouble. There is bitterness and anger in him, and he's, you know, he's enraged because of rejection that he's experienced and abuse that he's experienced growing up. So he goes on this pilgrimage to find his family. It leads him back to Cleveland, Ohio, and he's got to face some of the awful things that took place. Never knew his birth mother. It comes to find his birth mother. She gave birth to him in prison. He goes over to see her, and the meeting goes bad. And you're sitting there watching this movie, and your eyes fill with tears because all the young man wanted was a connection to be embraced. But his uncle and extended family members had assisted him in his search. So he goes back over his uncle's house, dejected, feeling as if all is lost. But as he walks into the house and he goes into the dining room, <laughs> there are all of his relatives. And there's a table set for him. They say, welcome home. That's what sharing the gospel does. We're telling lost people, there's a place for you at the table. There's a place for you. You don't have to be aimless anymore. You don't have to be empty anymore. There's a place for you. I spend far too much of my time with Christians. And I'm not being funny. I spend too much of my time with Christians. And one of the things I'm trying to encourage our staff as part of what they do is to not spend all their time in the offices here. So I, don't want, I want us to model what we're asking you all to do and to be. Now, I share my faith. I do that. I, I do. But I tell you, I spend too much time, too much time with believers. And I think some of us need to change the way we raise our children and change the way we think, too. We've got to stop withdrawing from the world and run to the world with the, offer, with, the, with, the, with the hope of salvation. And there's always this tendency among us to become, become a little bit of a monastic order. You can't impact that which you don't come in contact with. Will you pray that there'll be a tidal wave of gratitude that will flow from our hearts to unbelievers, that God will use us, and that he will help us to share the story of his love. Now, we won't trip over, I can't do this, or I'm in bad, well, just, just tell the story. And trust God to do that this week. One of the things I found out, every time, just about every time I prayed for an opportunity, God brings me one. So if you pray, if you pray, if you pray, Keep your eyes open. It's going to happen. Dr. Crawford Loritz, our speaker here on Living a Legacy. And with that, we wrap up a message called, Why Should We Share Our Faith? Crawford has shared seven reasons why we should do so. Crawford, I wonder, can we go through those just one more time just to make sure we got those down? Yeah. Uh, the first one is that it spreads God's glory. Number two, it builds God's kingdom. Thirdly, it expresses our gratitude. 
number four, it's an act of obedience. It offers the hope of uh, God's love. That's number five. And number six, it offers a cure for brokenness and bondage. And then finally, uh, it finds and restores the lost. You know, Bill, I I really want to connect with that again. I know I labored that a little bit uh, today on the program, but I want to encourage us, be very careful of erecting barriers uh, that that separate us from non-Christians. Now, I want to be clear here. I'm not talking about exposing yourself to situations that really kind of set you up to fall into sin. I'm not talking about that at all. But again, we can't impact that which we don't come in contact with and be careful uh, in the name of uh, protecting ourselves and this kind of thing that we isolate ourselves from the very people who need to hear and experience the love and hope of the gospel. Well, speaking of the lost, Crawford, someone might be listening today saying, uh, yeah, you're, you're sharing your faith, but what is, it, what is it that you're sharing? What, what are you talking about? Oh, thanks for setting that up there, Bill. I, um, you know, if you're listening today and you start sharing faith, this kind of thing, why is that important? And that's because God loves you. I'm speaking right to you today. God loves you. Jesus came and died on the cross in your place and for your sin. And he wants to deliver you from your sin. You can't do anything to earn it. The only thing you can do is humbly say, Lord Jesus, I need you. I turn from my sin. I open my heart and I trust you to deliver me, to forgive me and make me a new person. If you pray that and really mean it, Jesus Christ has stepped into your life. Yes, amen. Thank you so much, Crawford. And if you did pray that prayer or maybe have questions about what it means to follow Jesus, here's a number to call right now. Someone is ready to talk with you at 888-NEED-HIM, 888-NEED-HIM. Here at Living a Legacy, it's our prayer that you come to know the Savior, Jesus Christ, and learn to walk daily with Him and study His Word, the Bible, 888-NEED-HIM. We're so very grateful for your emails. Here's one from Teresa. I just wanted to let you know how encouraging your sermons are to me. I try to never miss one and often listen to them on my way to church. Thank you for always preaching the truth and not watering it down. The truth is all there is to stand on that won't wash out from under you when you're sinking, no matter how hard it might be to take. Thank you so much, Teresa. Here's one from Morgan. I wanted to tell Dr. Loritz what a blessing his sermons have been to me. The Lord got a hold of me a few months ago, and since then, his spirit has led me in ways I'd never experienced. I love listening to Dr. Loritz's teaching, and at times it feels like the Lord is speaking to me directly through him. Thank you. Keep up your amazing kingdom work. Thank you, Morgan. And finally from Bob, I first heard Crawford at a Campus Crusade event in college and possibly again at an Urbana conference. Currently, I still work full-time and volunteer as a jail chaplain. Recently, I've been convicted to be truly earnest as time is short and life is real. That's so true, Bob, and we really appreciate your email. Many of you regularly listen but have never taken the time to write to us, and your correspondence helps us to know that this program needs to continue to occupy this spot in the broadcast schedule. So connect with us soon. Write to legacyatmoody.edu, legacyatmoody.edu. It would be a tremendous encouragement to hear from you. You can also download Crawford's messages for free. Look for the MP3 link on our website at livingalegacy.org, livingalegacy.org. For Crawford Loritz, I'm Bill Davis. Thank you for being part of our study today. This program is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.